As auditors, we always want to make sure that we're getting the efficiency for the dollars spent. As, as taxpayers across the state, they want to make sure those dollars are going as far as possible, as everyone does. This afternoon, the Legislative Audit Subcommittee met to discuss the findings of two recently completed independent audit reports. These reports examine the overall management and governance of the Utah system of higher education, as well as the curriculum and training of teachers in the state at the K-12 level. Our Utah Legislative Auditor General, Cade Minchie, and his team are here with us to discuss these reports in detail with us today. Cade, as always, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. So, Kate, this afternoon, you presented these reports to the Legislative Audit Subcommittee. For those who might not be aware, what exactly is the role of the Legislative Audit Subcommittee, and, and what kind of is the background that led us to find these two reports? The Legislative Audit Subcommittee is the committee that provides us with our audit assignments and also plays an extremely important role in ensuring that the recommendations are all implemented. You've heard me talk about this in the past, but we have a very good system here in Utah. As I talk with colleagues in other states, and the audit subcommittee really plays, I would say, the key role in all that. So they receive the audits, and then they refer them to other committees to ensure that those recommendations are made are appropriately considered and taken care of. Now, education, obviously, is one of the most important issues in the state to, to For sure. a lot of Utahns. Uh, can you give just a real quick uh, overview of why these two audits in particular are so important to the citizens of the state? Yeah, so today it was all about education at the audit subcommittee, uh, higher education and public education, and really important topics. The higher education audit that we presented to the audit subcommittee today had some important aspects to it, and Darren will talk more about that here in a minute, but I just wanted to highlight here two big things. First is, as auditors, we always want to make sure, Edward, that we're getting the efficiency for the dollars spent. As, as taxpayers across the state, they want to make sure those dollars are going as far as possible, as everyone does. But that, that, that's what we look at. And there, there's different ways to dice that in higher education, but certainly one of those is how the dollars are going in completing degrees. And Utah has some room to improve in that area. And we point that out in the audit. So that's something we think can be worked on. The other one is governance. If you don't have governance structured quite right, organizations struggle. That's something we've seen throughout our careers. And so we're also talking about the governance of the system. Like I said, I, I won't get into the details of it. Derek can do that here in a minute. But those are the two takeaways. On the public education side, there's been a lot of interest by a lot of people on the content that's been taught in public schools. And, you know, there's an interest there to make sure that that content is one that's been vetted and is appropriate. And, and there's a lot that goes into that, obviously. And, and what's appropriate might be different for different people. But we think there needs to be a better process. Leah's going to dive into that a lot more. As, as we explained to the Austin subcommittee today, the process there is important. We need to make sure there's consistency and that school districts, is who we're talking about here, have a process to ensure that that uh, content curriculum is vetted. Thanks so much, Cade. So first, let's dive into that first report, this performance audit of Utah's system of higher education. Darren, real quick, like Cade mentioned, there were some concerns in this audit report about the graduation rates of many of our students here in Utah at the higher education level. Can you talk just real briefly about what exactly this report found pertaining to our graduation rates in the state? Thanks, Edward. Yeah, we um, we looked at graduation rates, and we're talking about the degree-granting institutions, not the technical colleges, so those eight degree-granting. We found it then in the case of the national average and also of the peer groups for each of the eight. Utah's six of the eight institutions in both of those scenarios um, fell behind the averages by several percentage points. Now, 
certainly the reason why this is such a big deal is that we also found data that shows the return on investment for graduating and completing is, is quite high, particularly like at the U of U, but for all the institutions. The legislature funds higher education to the tune of $1.3 billion per year. So this is a big deal. We need to get this right. And so we were asked to look at the efficiency and effectiveness of all of higher ed. But what we found when we were looking at the data and out and about at the different schools is that it really comes down to an issue of governance. So, Darren, why don't you go ahead and talk to us a little bit about this governance issue that we have in, in the system of higher education? What exactly is the current governance structure and what did we find based off of this audit? So the current governance structure in higher education for Utah is that we have a central board, what we would call a consolidating board. That's a term that's used nationally to just refer to consolidation of power to make these decisions. In fact, this goes all the way back to 1987 in Utah's code, where the Board of Education at the time was called Board of Regents, was uh, expected to control, manage, and supervise the institutions. So that's pretty strong language to say, let's have consolidated power. The system of higher education itself came into being right around 1969 and has had some form of that ever since. But there's confusion because the system of higher education governance can be a little confusing because you have this board of higher education that's meant to control, manage, and supervise, but you have boards of trustees at each institution and you have presidents. So to some degree, there's some shared power. And so this confusion exists. And so that's why we say to get higher education right, let's make sure that we are affirming the governance model as it says in, in, the, in the code, which the legislatures looked at this several times recently. We had two audits come out back-to-back in 2018 that, that talked about tuition and how some things were being advocated from the board back to the institutions. There was a national study that was commissioned by the legislature to look at this, and they affirmed that Utah has a consolidating board rather than a coordinating board, which that was affirmed. And what we're saying is key to getting higher education right is for the legislature to reaffirm that again. Now, if that's not the desired model, it could be changed, but it needs to match. It should match what we have. So that's kind of the high level of what we expect from this. But there are some things that can be done by the board itself. For example, overseeing tuition. We don't think that the board exercises its authority uh, deliberately enough. There's very little discussion of tuition when it's authorized at the board level. The commissioner's office doesn't give enough rigorous look at the data so that they can give this to the board. So they need to improve their support role to the board and let's have the board be deliberate in what they do. Same with presidential evaluations. They're supposed to look at them every four years. We can see that that's happening But these every year appraisals, we don't have evidence whether they're occurring, they're not being documented. They might be, but there should be a certain number of them over these years, and we can only find evidence of a few. So this needs to occur from the commissioner's office and from the board itself. Probably the biggest area, though, for both in the commissioner playing a supporting role is let's make sure that all the data that's available, they have all this data. Get it to the board. Help the board make these decisions. Show them. Look, we currently have over 300,000 people that have gone some college no degree. So the data doesn't show that that's where you get the benefit. It shows you get the benefit from completion. So we can do better. Having the commissioner's office help more and the board be more deliberate about what is expected. We finally have in statute as of last year because the, the strategic planning has sort of been all over the place. 
Again, two areas the commissioner's office and the board can improve. We finally have it in statute that we, we need accessibility, affordability to higher ed, which is one goal. Second is completion rates. And third, let's have a line to the workforce, high yield jobs. So now we can focus on that. One of the recent examples why we see that this isn't working how it should is there's an expectation from the board to ensure that there's online access to higher ed, not just, you know, the brick and mortar. They've been working for months and months to try to get the presidents and the different institutions to come around to the table. The presidents kind of have their own model of what can be done. And so we haven't been able to implement that, we meaning the board. And so we think that that can be more deliberate. And at the end of the day, we're saying legislature, affirm again, which model? because it really trickles down to everything that's being done in higher education, because we can't afford to not get what we've put in for this $1.3 billion every year. So just to confirm, in 2020, the legislature passed a bill that helped consolidate and affirmed that the consolidated model with the strong central government is exactly what we wanted out of our higher education system. Absolutely correct. You know, if they wanted something different, they could have certainly taken that language out to control, manage, and supervise. They didn't, which to us is an affirmation. And so we're now saying reaffirm. And if it's not that, let's at least make it known what we have. So with all of these decentralized entities that seem to be pulling in their own separate direction, you know, what can we do as a legislature or can the board do to really help reaffirm that the intention of the legislature to have a centralized authority? What are some of those steps that they can take right now to communicate to those decentralized entities that we are all going to pull in the same direction? You stating it in your question is exactly what can be done. The legislature reaffirms this again and says, we see what the auditors are saying to us. We agree. That language that's very specific in the code, we agree with. And so our charge back to you, board chair church, is to control, manage, and supervise. Let us see that through your actions in rigorous debate about things like tuition and presidential evaluations and making sure that the institutions stay within their mission. And when the board puts forth an initiative for access or affordability or this strategic goal to complete, let's improve. So Darren, in response to this audit, how has the findings of this audit been received by entities like the Board of Education? So the Board of Higher Education, we have met with Board Chair Lisa Michelle Church several times throughout the audit and her vice chair. Now, because getting the audit to the full board would cause us problems with releasing this before the audit subcommittee, we've actually interviewed every member of the board, but not all of them have seen the full audit yet. But it's very well received. If you look at the written response in the back, they are agreeing to every single recommendation. They're ready to act and they're saying, yeah, we want to be more deliberate. We want the commissioner's office to help us. And incidentally, Commissioner Wilson-Hume will also respond to the audit and they're backing it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Next, let's kick it over to a performance audit of curriculum and teacher training in public education. Leah, can you give just a high-level overview of, of where exactly this audit came from and what the importance of it is to many Utah parents? As every one of your listeners probably know, in the last couple of years, there's been quite a lot of interest and discussion on what's being taught in schools. Is it appropriate? Is it unbiased? Does it match the values of the locality in which it's placed? And so recognizing this, the audit subcommittee requested that we look at some of this content in schools and how the curriculum is chosen and whether teachers are trained to be neutral and unbiased. This is important because people care about education. People care about what their children are being taught. And so we were able to look at some of these things and determine if it's, it's controlled enough and if districts know what's being taught in the schools. 
how exactly is that curriculum being chosen currently in the individual districts and even in the individual schools? That's a really astute question, Edward, because what we found is every district is doing it pretty differently. There's not really a consensus. Some districts go top down and the district decides and vets the curriculum. And mostly we're talking about not science and math, your English, your history, those things that can have a different idea. Some districts are choosing that and vetting that at the district level. Some it's a bottom up approach. So each teacher decides what's being taught in the classroom. Our concern is, especially on the bottom up approach, you could go to a history class class in a school and next door the same class is being taught by a different teacher and learn two different things based on two different ideas without any consistency. And so what we recommend is the legislature can decide, are they okay with that status quo? Are they okay with that lack of vetting in each individual teacher? Or should there be guardrails in place? Should each district have a plan to vet the information going into each of their classes and to have an approved list that they can teach from that allows that security for teachers that they know they're teaching what is acceptable and kind of that sense of safety that the district knows this is being taught. If people are concerned, we can work through that. So just to clarify, we're not necessarily arguing in this audit report that there should be a statewide standard for anything. You're still allowing or would still recommend uh, that individual districts can, within their own district, have some sort of a flexibility so that these subjects can be taught differently in District A versus District B, just depending on what the parents and, and what the community members feel is best suited for their children, correct? Absolutely. Local control is a value that we really hold on to in Utah. We really believe that local control is the way that education can best meet the needs of the citizens of that district. And so we're not recommending a standard because, as you said, District A might have a different value set or really want different things taught to their children. What we're saying is, if that's the case, that district should know what's being taught. That district should have that approved reading list. Um, they should have the curriculum selected so that they can meet the values of the community and really focus on that local control. But local control isn't at the teacher level. It's at the LEA level. So more so than anything, this is just creating a system so that you know, we actually know, both as parents in the community, but also as a legislature, what exactly is being taught. It's not necessarily dictating what has to be, but mm-hmm. rather so that the districts are, are informed of what is going on in their individual classrooms, correct? Yep, absolutely. Informed and not only informed, but they've chosen it. They've approved it. Thank you so much. Is there anything in particular uh, about this audit that you think parents specifically should be aware of Mm -hmm. uh, going forward? One of the things that we talk about is what we just talked about, all the curriculum, that's kind of a front-end control. That's the fence at the top of the cliff. The ambulance at the bottom of the cliff is that we think that schools and LEAs should improve that process. Right now, there's not really a policy for how um, parent concerns are addressed, and so it's it's all over the map how they're addressed. Um, and, And there's not appropriate hotlines that those things aren't in place that we think should be. But I think parents should know that if they have a concern, the best place to start is probably with that teacher. We interviewed over 150 teachers and principals and all of them had to say, we want to do this right. And I think that's an important point to make, which is the vast majority of these teachers are doing it in an unbiased manner and that they haven't had complaints. But in those situations where there are concerns from parents, you can go to the teacher. And if that doesn't help, you can go to the principal. Eventually, we hope that these districts will set up the process so everyone knows what it should be. But there's always a way to to get your concerns heard. 
So the other part of this this audit here is not just the curriculum standards, but also the training for teachers. Uh, can you talk just a little bit about the training that's currently going on uh, within the districts throughout the state of Utah? Absolutely. We found that all of these things that we previously talked about, the standards, there aren't really standards in most districts for how to be unbiased and how to be neutral. And so we believe that teachers should be trained on these issues. And not only do we believe that that will help the classroom and the content of the classroom, when we talked to teachers, a lot of them told us that they're scared. They don't know what they can and can't say, and that makes them nervous to say things. And so we believe that this training provides that support that teachers need to know what they can say and know that when they say what they have been trained to do, they will be backed up by their LEA. Thank you so much. Thank uh, thanks so much, Kate, and thanks to your team for, for being here again to present these reports. Uh, is there anything else before we go ahead and sign off that, that you would like to say about the education audits just in general? I think it was covered very well. Uh, appreciate the time. I, you know, two audits out today. Uh, great meeting. All centered on, on education, both higher and public education. Next next month, more audits coming. So we have three audits coming out in November, uh, dealing with adult probation and parole, dealing with the Board of Pardons and Parole, and dealing with the coordination between those two. So it'll be a criminal justice meeting next week, uh, uh, excuse me, next month, Edward, and we'll look forward to talking to you about that then. Well, we look forward to hearing it. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks.